Hey, it's Ben, and thank you for listening to the Upgraded Executive Podcast. We are bringing you insights from experts around the world so you can improve your personal and professional performance. Welcome to this episode, Mindset Multiplier, Perk Business Evolution 2.0. Our guest today is Robin Graham. Robin is an entrepreneur who helps people and organizations overcome barriers to high performance through a subconscious reprogramming methodology called PERC. In this episode, we discuss how businesses can evolve their thinking to beyond profits, including staff and wellness and happiness. Subconscious reprogramming at a business level. Robin's got some really interesting examples of companies she's worked with and the results they've achieved. So please enjoy this thought-provoking conversation. Please like and subscribe on YouTube iTunes or SoundCloud and visit www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe and we will send you a special link so you can access these videos one week before we officially release them. Now over to the conversation. So Robin thanks a lot for coming on nice to meet you. Yes you too also. If it's okay firstly to give us an overview to your background and how you came across Psyche. Absolutely. So it was 1994 when I was introduced to both Site K and Perk, which we'll talk about the difference later. And I had previously been in corporate and I had worked in a variety of corporate positions, all in information technology. So both in sales and in programming. And then I um, sold particular software to different organizations. And then I was also national accounts manager for all the computers that went into a particular organization. And so I understood from the computer side how things worked. Then I got downsized and chose to become an entrepreneur. So that I worked 12 years in organizations and in 1991 was downsized. And so I've been an entrepreneur since then. And one of the beautiful things is I understood how the computers worked and programming and stuff like that. And then what happened is I decided it was time to go to the other side, which is to work with the human side, because the computers can do all this work. But if you don't have the right human mind addressing it, then it's not going to be very successful. So I got certified in a variety of training workshops. And I was standing up in front of corporate people, employees, training about, in this case, it was goal setting and affirmations and ways of coping and adapting your behavior to what the company wanted you to behave as. And as I was standing there, it hit me that I was standing there without integrity because the goal setting and affirmations and all of the things I was teaching wasn't necessarily directly applying success consistently in my own life. So I sat back and I went, I need to look at this differently because this is not, I can't with integrity stand up and teach this if it's not working for me. And about that time, it was 1994, I heard Rob Williams, the originator of this work, speak at a corporate conference. And what he was presenting was a completely different approach to creating behavior change. And that was from the inside out. So rather than looking at how do we adapt our behavior? Let's go in and look at the subconscious, which we can talk more about, but the subconscious, and actually change the core beliefs or perceptions that create our behaviors. 
Well, that just drew me in instantly. It's like every cell in my body went ding, 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 go learn this. And so I went to the first workshop and had no idea what I was about to get into because remember in 1994, this was before the internet, before YouTube, before Facebook and all of that. I know it's hard to believe that things used to exist before (laughs) that, but it did. So I had really no idea other than this one hour presentation I had listened to. And I came out of that workshop amazed, Mm. the simplicity and the effectiveness, and then curious because I wanted to see, okay, so this stuff worked in the workshop, but what's the results and what's the outcome that I'm going to have in my life? And I won't go into the detail, but immediately within a week, something that had been a trigger for me all my life was gone and very dramatically exposed that to myself. And I could not justify it any other way than this workshop that I had been to and this process uh, that I had learned. And so that just put me on the path going, you know what, this is the answer to my integrity issue. Because when we can go belief uh, down below the surface level and address the beliefs that are the actual catalyst or the engine for creating change, then I'm all over that. And I want to continue to work with that. So I became one of the first instructors in 1997 to teach the workshops and have continued to teach those. So I'm in my uh, almost 26th year of teaching and working with this material. I have been blessed. And one of the things that I did early on is um, I love to travel. So I did one of our balances um, around traveling and doing the work that I love. And lo and behold, I've now taught and presented in 22 countries around the world on six continents. That's pretty awesome. You know? So I've been able to not just work a job, but I live in a passion that I love and I get to do what I love and share it with others and teach others so that Maybe. they uh, have the freedom to create that life that they want. Is, is that work then? If you're loving what you're doing and you're passionate about it, does it still feel like work? No, but that's the word that people use. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, no. And I just want to add that, that I'm not the only one doing this, that as you experience, you've taken a class. So we have in the body of work of Site K and Perk, we have instructors all over the world and teaching in multiple languages, um, natural languages, as well as translated into multiple languages. So, yeah. So in terms of our audience, I, I imagine probably even the majority won't have heard of Psy-K or Perk-K. Can you frame what each one is? Absolutely. Yeah. So they both work under the same engine. So we'll just talk about the methodology, actually. So the idea is that, and I'm going to go back to the computers, and it's natural for me since I came up through that, but everybody uses them nowadays. So the idea is that we think at the conscious mind, is like 5%. So the conscious mind you can think of as just your screen on your computer or RAM, if you want to think about that that way. And then we think that's all there is. But in reality, there's a whole depth below that in the computer world. It's your operating system and your hard drive. In our world, it's called the subconscious and it's known as 95%. So the idea with both of these processes is that it allows us to access and effectively change, in other words, upgrade, Mm. the core beliefs or thought patterns, biases, unconscious bias that has stopped us from moving forward. 
So that could look like a, um, a belief that we got when we were children of I'm not good enough, or it could be all the way to something that we just experienced yesterday with a failure. And that now is uh, causing us to question our capacity in moving forward. So it doesn't matter when you have the experience. The, both of these processes allow you to address them in a very simple and easy way. And what's the difference between the two? So in terms of Perkay and Psyche? Oh, thank you. So the, the idea is that with Psyche, it represents a way to really focus personally on upgrading the personal side of who we are. So whether that's our confidence or our personal view of spirituality, our health or our wellness, et cetera, relationships. And so it's really about personal uh, improvement. PERK, which has a particular acronym, and I'll share that in just a moment, um, represents a, a larger way of addressing things. So it can work at the professional level as well as the personal level. Because when we're in our jobs, we're not just our job, we're our beingness in that job. And so what I say is with PERC, it allows us to work with the professional success side, but also with the personal side, because you can't separate the two. So the idea of PERC, just to kind of explain the terminology, the acronym, the P stands for activating possibilities. The E stands for energy and specifically focusing energy congruently. The R stands for results, specifically producing repeatable results. So when you combine those three, possibilities, energy, and results, that equates to the key, which is the K, the key to sustainable success. And that's really what we're all looking for, is we're looking to be able to achieve something, whether that's in our business, professional life, or in our personal life with relationships, it doesn't matter. We're all looking to achieve something, but we don't just want it for a moment. Mm. We want it ongoing. And that's our definition of sustainable success. So how does it practically work when you're working with an organization from the per case side? Well, so there's a couple different options. Um, we can either do private sessions one-on-one with people, and that way you can identify specifically in a safe environment what's going on with that individual. And then we go through a process of identifying what the current belief is and then shifting it to what they want instead. And as an example, I worked with a division leader who was micromanaging his employees, and they weren't getting their their projects completed on time and effectively. And so I took him to the side and we did a a private conversation. And in the conversation, he admitted that he was, uh, didn't trust that they were going to complete the task in the right way on the right time. And so he was micromanaging. So I asked him in a conversation, what would you, what do you see as the consequences of continuing to do it this way? And he admitted there were consequences. And what would be the benefit if you could trust them? And he admitted there were benefits to that. So what we did is create created a statement. Um, and I, I believe it was something like, I trust myself and my team to complete tasks as needed. So that was what we call a goal statement. And then we went through a particular process uh, to we'll called a balance, which creates this change at the subconscious level. And 
within maybe a day or so, everything had shifted within that organization, within that team, in that he no longer was mistrusting them. He was trusting himself to trust them and he was trusting them to be able to do the project. And so he relaxed and became more of a guide and a supporter of their work. They relaxed because he did, and they were able to accomplish in a much more efficient way the project tasks that needed to be done. So it was like a win for everybody. But it was just one, mm, the whole thing may have taken 15 minutes Mm -hmm. in that private conversation session that we did. And so that's an example of how an organization can work with this is it's a, you know, private one-to-one facilitation. The other option is to bring it in-house and to come in and do a full workshop where everyone on the team learns this methodology and is able to work through their own challenges in their particular role, whether that's, again, at the professional level or a lot of times it shifts into personal. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the challenges that you're experiencing? And it might be a frustration with too many, you know, multitasking too much at home and that takes too much energy so that they can't bring it to work. Well, then we work through that in the workshop. What's beautiful about the workshops is that once they leave, they still have the methodology so they can Mm. continue to work with each other and especially with themselves privately, as well as take it home and work with their family. So it's really um, provides mm, the freedom to continue to improve and evolve both professionally and personally. So it's a couple different ways that, that it can be worked through. Have you, have you got any other um, case studies that really stand out in your mind when you've been working with corporations who have adopted per K, so the before and the results afterwards? Yeah, so I have anecdotal. I don't have mm. any specific, you know, ones that, that have been measured and, and shown, and I would love to do that. Um, one was that we worked with a particular sales team in this case, and Uh, they were going through monthly sales training to convert from traditional selling to a consultative selling. And this was several years ago. And everybody to a person said, we know what you're teaching us. We just can't apply it. We aren't implementing it. And so at that point, the, the sales leader and my organization said, you know, are you willing to do something different and to stretch beyond what is normally seen as training? And they said, Mm -hmm. well, it can't hurt. Let's do it. So I took them through a perk workshop focused around sales mm. and the two way perk. Now these were um, hundred thousand plus commission only salespeople. So they were already very successful. Mm. They wanted to get a 10% increase was the, the original plan for the sales training. So they were getting the sales training and then we overlaid it with the mind skill mindset. And to a person, every one of them got a 20% increase. And what's beautiful is that they all said the next day they went in to meet with a person they were selling to. And without any effort, they were able to naturally flow with the, the wording and the approach that they had been taught in consultative selling, but were not able to do the week before. So it gave them that ease to move out of trying to think about it to actually just flowing with it. And in this particular case, this company was rolled up and bought by another organization. 
And we kept track of these particular salespeople and they got divided into several different divisions. Mm. And within the next year, all of them were the top of each of their divisions. And they all said it came back to the mindset that, that they learned with this work. Was it a specific balance or was it the same? Balance uh, in this for case, they, that particular example was a training, was a workshop. So they all went through the workshop. So I couldn't tell you, and they probably couldn't tell you because we do so many in the workshop, that there was one particular one. I have worked with uh, individuals in private sessions where they have balanced something specifically and then the next day we're able, and, uh, one example is it was an entrepreneur who knew she was leaving money on the table and she, she just didn't ask for the like 10,000 more or whatever it was. And she just didn't feel like she could, right? Uh, she wasn't good enough, whatever the internal thing was. And in her case, she uh, recognized it. And so we created a goal statement. And again, I'm pulling from memory, but I think it was something like, I value myself and ask for my worth or something like that. And the next day she had a meeting with someone. And when he said, well, kind of what's the price point or whatever, she said, without even thinking about it, she doubled her price. And he said, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) she was able to move forward in showing her value and, and standing in it and asking for it. I mentioned the word balance, and I should have said, could you could you yeah. define the word balance for the right. audience again? Would you right. mind doing right. that? No, I don't mind. So <laughs> the idea, it's a term that we use for the change process. And the idea of the balance is that it's bringing into congruency both the conscious and the subconscious, as well as what you might think of as an overlying highest good. We call it superconscious. And when all of those come together, it creates a space of reducing resistance to receiving new information. So the, I, the easiest way to understand it is that it's a, mm, we create what's called a whole brain state, mm. where all parts of you, the 5%, the 95%, the conscious, subconscious, are coming into alignment. And so when you're doing a balance, it's, um, there's particular posturing or a particular activity that's done, but the idea is it's focused intention during that process. So it's kind of like, again, back to the computers, we push a button and we get an upgrade to our operating system. So it's just a methodology that we go through to create an upgrade at the most important software, which is the software of our mind, and to get the lasting results. They usually take anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes, so not long. With a particular um, area that needs to be changed, it might be that you need to do two or three or four particular balances, but again, they don't take very long. So, you know, and the results are pretty immediate. And how long would you spend working with a company for? Well, it all depends on what the company wants to create. What I usually suggest is that we do... Uh, like a, a presentation or an understanding as a group together. Uh, and that can be in person or over Zoom, but everybody gets kind of an educational upgrade on the way to think. Then I might work with individuals one-to-one and then come into the workshop to learn the workshop and then support people afterwards with one-on-one private sessions, as well as how do we integrate this into the 
what I call the DNA of an organization. So how do we get it so that everybody on a daily basis is thinking about what's my approach to this? Where am I getting triggered? Where am I holding back? And then instead of just having coping and adapting mechanisms, okay, I'm just going to push through, you step back and you call your peer next door and go, can you do a balance with me? Or you do it with yourself, which you learn in the workshop. So it could be anywhere from a three-month process to a six-month process. Um, The workshop itself is a three-day workshop, but I would not suggest just doing that because then it becomes like an event and you forget. So it really should be, you know, a package that really addresses what that particular organization is wanting to resolve. Are there any trigger points that you found with people approaching you, either individuals or companies, where they they know something's not quite right from a how, how they operate in terms of they know it's their subconscious that's driving something, but they've become more aware of some of their triggers. Do you see a pattern in terms of the people that approach you or the companies that approach you? Well, it's, what's exciting over the last few years is the quantity of people who are becoming aware and recognizing that there is new ways of doing it, or they don't, may not know how, but they know mm. there's got to be a better way. And that's kind of how I got involved with this. I knew there had to be some way to address this. Um, and so, you know, to say there's a, con- you know, a pattern, I don't know that I could uh, identify that. What I would say is most of the time, individuals recognize that they keep hitting their head against the wall and not moving forward. And they keep mm. trying different things and things are not working. And so they're searching and they, there's a, almost like a little voice in their head that says, there's got to be a way. Keep looking, keep looking, mm. keep looking. And so they end up connecting and somehow finding out about this particular methodology and connecting with someone somewhere in the world to do the work. And with organizations, often what I think happens with an organization is that, well, it's known that billions each year are spent on training and development. And the next year, billions are spent on training and development. (laughs) And the reason is because they're looking for a result. They're looking for behavior change or whatever it is. Most, not all, but most training and development is focused really just at the conscious mind, Mm -hmm. at coping and adapting, awareness. Well, we can be aware of a lot of things, but awareness doesn't necessarily change our behavior. And coping and adapting mechanisms work for about, what, five minutes maybe, when, <laughs> when and if we remember to use them. And with this work, what companies are able to get is we're not, gonna, we're not necessarily going to teach skill set. I mean, there is a mind management skill set that you're learning, but it's not about how to be a better salesperson or how to have the emotional intelligence or whatever the initiative might be that the organization is working with. This is more about how to create implementation of those skill sets that you've paid a lot of money for. So companies that are realizing they're not getting the results they want, they're looking for something. And this is a way to get the results from the investment you've already made so that you can have the results or the outcomes that you're looking for. Um, The actual, the ultimate goal of PERC is really to create an evolution in business. Mm. So rather than, we've been doing business traditionally in the same way for a hundred years, you know, thousand years, whatever. 
but there was a shift in the way business operates um, about 50, 100 years ago, where it became all about profit. And there's a beautiful movement that started about 10 years ago around what's known as triple or quadruple bottom line. Mm. And the awakened companies are moving in that direction or have moved in that direction. And they are looking for a way to consistently make decisions based on what's good for our employees, our people, Mm. what's good for the planet, the decisions of how it impacts the planet. How do we maintain our purpose or our mission, you know, engaging people in that? And of course, we have to have profits. So mm-hmm. the idea is that you don't do all four, all three and forget about profits. Mm-hmm. You do them all holistically or congruently. Well, all of that is beautiful and there's some amazing things going on there. However, if we don't shift the traditional mindset of what business is about, they're going to get into a situation where they have to make a decision and they're going to drop back, just like Mm -hmm. that sales team I worked with, they're going to drop back to their old ways of thinking and make a decision based on profit rather than all three or four come together. So I think that, you know, again, there's, there's a couple different entryways for organizations to enter in and to work with this. The one that just, you know, makes my heart sing are the companies that are ready to transition from the traditional money for money, profit, stockholders, et cetera, and move into a more holistic approach to business, the triple or quadruple bottom line approach. What, what do you think is driving that? When you say, said about awakened companies, so what do you think is driving the awakening? Well, you know, companies are not just an entity called a company. Companies are built of people. And so I think there's a transition and an evolution occurring in individuals. Some of it might be the millennials and the Gen Xers coming into organizations, right, who have a whole different mindset already and approach about business and why they're in business. They want to make a difference. So if, if a company is just about, you know, check yourself at the door, the old traditional way, check yourself at the door, come in and do your job. We don't want you to smile. We don't want you to have fun. Or we're going to play like we're doing team building because that's what you want. And so there's this integrity gap. Um, Then the, the individuals that work for that company, if they're passionate about making a difference and it's, it's not um, aligning with who they are, then they're going to leave. And so I think organizations have finally figured out they can't just surface it, greenwash mm-hmm. it, as they term it. They have to really have a congruency in how they're doing things. So the smart companies are figuring out how to change um, who they are in the business, how they're running the business, what their culture is. Because the culture is, is you know, again, not an independent thing. It's built mm. up of the beliefs and the perceptions and the biases of the leaders as well as the employees. Mm. And when all of those come into alignment, then the organization skyrockets. Yeah. Yeah, that really resonates. If you've got an awakened CEO, C-suite level, so it's a top-down approach, but you've also right. got a bottom-up approach and you've got alignment around common mission, values, there's nothing wrong with making money, but it's a great place to work where people are supported. They enjoy going to work. 
then magic, exactly. magic happens. Exactly, exactly. You know, one of the things I just was teaching a workshop a couple of weeks ago, and we had this conversation, is one of the things around mission, vision, and values is every company thinks they have to have it, and they spend time or they hire a consulting group to create it, whatever. Um, in this case, the company said, and three of the people were in the workshop, and they said that, oh, yeah, we have one of those, and we have those, and they're on the wall. And it had been a survey and a, you know, this team got together and defined, this team got together, then they rolled it up and then they mushed it all together. It basically was meaningless at that point. And it ended up on the wall. And so the manager that was in the workshop, she said, so what's our mission? They couldn't answer it. Mm. Well, that is a problem with an organization when they truly have, want to be mission driven or they want to make a difference if people can't verbalize, not just verbalize, but start with verbalizing the mission, vision, values versus them just being hanging on a wall, mm. that's going to co- that's a lack of congruency. Mm. So one of the beautiful things that we can do with PERC is we can support the mission, vision, values of an organization and create goal statements to bring those into alignment at the subconscious level for everyone in the organization. So we've had leaders who were the ones that defined the mission mm. and we go through and, and confirm or deny whether they believe it using this process. And I'd say 90% of the time, they don't believe their own mission at the subconscious level. That's huge. So we bring them through what we talked about a few minutes ago, a balance to align it. And then they're able now to make a decision based on what's the real mission of our company rather than what their bias is for making money. What's the mission of our company or whatever the the congruence might be. Do you find going through that process with a CEO or an entrepreneur that they reflect and look at the values and they might end up being rewritten to something that does resonate and totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I had one group in one of the workshops that, um, we got to that part and I said, so let's put your vision, mission and values up and let our mission actually is all we did. Let's put your mission up and let's look at it. And we put it up and he looked at it and he goes, oh, please take it down. It's horrible. <laughs> I want to redo it completely. Because he at that point was in a completely different mm. mindset, completely different perspective of what his business should be about mm. because he had done so many shifts already around um, being congruent with who he was and how he wanted to represent the company. And when, you know, we all looked at it and we agreed that it had all kinds of negative words and all types of things in it. And so he was like, we are rewriting this come Monday morning. I was wondering, Robin, whether you could give us a few examples, more from a, from a personal point of view, how Perke has helped individuals get over some of their limiting beliefs, maybe just some practical examples would be very useful? Sure, sure. Yeah, so there was uh, one lady that I worked with uh, who was a leader of an organization, and she had a conflict with her second person, like vice president. That wasn't the term, but that would be the way to think about it. And they just didn't see eye to eye. And so we were doing private session, and I... We talked about how she would rather experience her relationship with, let's say, Susan. And she said, well, I want us to respect each other. So that Mm -hmm. was the statement that we did is I respect Susan. 
uh, or we respected, I respect Susan is what we did. And we went through this 10 minute process called a balance. And we did something else around I respect myself was the other side of it. So often when we look at how we want to relate to somebody else, it's important to think about how we want to relate to ourselves too. So we always tend to, a lot of people focus externally, but they forget about, you know, it's a mirror back to themselves. So she wanted to have, have Susan respect her was what it was. I respect Susan. Susan respects me. And I said, you know what? There's a third person, third place of position here. And it's, do you respect yourself as a leader? Well, she didn't. She'd been a leader all over the world for 30 years, but she didn't actually respect herself as a leader. So we balanced those three. And the next day she walked into the, to the office and she said there was like this energy shift in the space that just, there was no conflict. It was like the um, static mm-hmm. had gone away. And mm-hmm. then Susan said good morning, which she hadn't done in a while. And they just continued and, you know, had a beautiful experience of being supportive of each other and respecting each other. So, yeah, that was one that was just a lovely example. Um, yeah, yeah. There was, you know, the other side is there was a lady that I was working with who, and this is, it's more personal, but it also has an impact in business in that she had a terrifying fear of heights. Mm. And she, so in the workshop, she balanced her fear of heights, which took surprisingly about 10 minutes. Um, And she happened to be in a city that had a glass elevator that was 28 stories high. So I challenged her and I said, you know, one of the things that we invite people to do at the end of a session is to take an action, some conscious choice of physical action to support what they changed at the mindset level. Yeah, so after we completed the workshop, we, I invited her to consider going up this 28-story glass elevator, and she said, okay, I'll go. So that evening, she went down and rode up the glass elevator, and she said for the first time ever, she didn't shut her eyes, and she actually watched going up. And then this particular location has a platform where you can go outside and look over an overlook to the city and the river. And she said she walked out, she took pictures, she wasn't breathing hard, she wasn't um, hyperventilating or, or nervous, her heart was calm. And a friend of hers who did not do this particular balance was um, standing pushed back against the wall, terrified of the, the view. So the other thing she said that was fun is when she got back in the elevator, she realized that you could look down and she said, she watched 28 floors going down and she said, I've never done that. And she said, I know this doesn't sound like it would be something that is important in business, but she said, I go visit clients who are in 20 and 30, 40 story buildings. And by the time I get there, I'm like this. So this is (laughs) going to be an ability to be calm when I get in front of clients if I need to go where there's a high story in some cases. And she said, and my husband's going to appreciate it because we can go more fun places. I can go up the Eiffel Tower now, which I have never been able to do. (laughs) So she was thrilled. So that's another example that, you know, the crossover can be professional Mm -hmm. things that happen in our, our daily life at work, but also in the personal arena. And when we address either and both, it allows us to be more comfortable moving forward in all aspects of our life. And again, 
we can't be just an employee and a person. We are a whole unit. So the idea is to help individuals become, allow their whole person to come into work. That's brilliant. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's very difficult now to separate our personal lives from our professional lives. They become so intertwined these days. When you were when you were telling me about that story, a question that jumped into my mind was something around. Ben and I have spoken extensively around things like stress and the impact that stress has. You know, and we all know that sort of stress builds up from our personal and professional lives, and then can know hit a breaking point in some circumstances right. I do see quite a few clients who I'd say have some kind of dependency you know maybe verging on the verging on addiction but certainly um, dependent on substances or food or sugar are there any success stories with per K around addictions there are and let me just do one slight uh, edit so the term has a dash in it, so it's easy to pronounce it per K, but okay. we really invite people to call it in one word, like perk. So okay. yeah, like in business, we have extra perks that we can have. And yeah. so that's the idea of the use of it. I'll go, I can tell later why it has the dash, but okay. just, just a request that we want to call it one word perk. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, I agree with you that the stress can show up in a lot of different ways and people end up um, self-correcting, uh, uh, covering it up in a variety of ways, whether that's through pain pills or through alcohol or drugs mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And one of the beautiful things that I think is spectacular that's been going on over the last few years is the uh, opening of meditation and yoga that's going on within organizations. And so I think that's a beautiful approach to help people in a, in a moment uh, practice it through the, the workshops that are offered there. But then they have that capacity in that moment to, um, I'm trying to see if we locked up again. Are you guys there? All right. Yes, yeah. okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, so in the moment, what yoga and meditation allows is to just stop and breathe and, mm. and release that stress. Mm. So where perk comes into play is that rather than having the trigger that causes the stress, let's go discover what that trigger is and resolve it at the subconscious level. So you don't have that trigger anymore. So as an example um, for myself, my trigger that I mentioned earlier in the conversation was around an anger trigger. So if Uh somebody did something that I was not happy with, I I had this immediate anger that would come out usually not in words, but in tears. Well, Mm -hmm. when you working in a fortune thousand company reporting to a VP, not real good to get angry and cry. So it wasn't very beneficial for me and it didn't make me feel very good. It was a shameful um, Mm -hmm. process for me. And one of the benefits very early on of working with this uh, work and doing some balances is that that anger trigger is completely gone. It it's, you know, doesn't exist anymore. And so that's one that could happen for some people. Um, another would be just the anxiety of, of coming to work every day. Mm-hmm. And, or it's Sunday night and they start to build up this anxiety around going to work. So that can be easily addressed with this work. The more 
serious complex ones are when someone is using uh, alcohol or drugs or sugar or something like that to cover, to cope with. And again, we can, through this work, do some conversation, private conversation, and explore perhaps what the benefit is for covering it up and mm. what, um, you know, we call it a secondary gain. So what's the, what's the benefit or secondary gain from that particular behavior and why are you doing it? And what's the consequence if you don't, what's mm. the benefit if you do? And then we can identify what um, belief or goal statement to set up so that at the subconscious level, we give the, the subconscious this goal statement and it doesn't necessarily just address one belief. It addresses perhaps a hundred or a thousand when we go in to do the balance. And an example um, is that I worked with one gentleman who used the infamous marijuana, whatever name you want to give it, um, on a regular basis. And, you know, in some organizations in the States, I don't know about other countries, but it's now becoming acceptable in that state. And so it's becoming a problem for companies to make sure that their employees are not stoned. <laughs> they, have, <laughs> they have focus. And so this particular gentleman was about to, he had been written up several times and he agreed that it had become a problem. So they sent him to me um, to do some work. And of course, you, you always want to make sure the person is open and willing um, to do this. And so he was, and he said it had become beyond what he could handle, and he knew that it was not good. And so we just explored what was going on and when it started and sort of just the story around it. And in just a few moments, it came out that it was really that he was angry with his father. Mm -hmm how that related to business, you know, it all just became his, his way of dealing. And so we did probably a statement around, I forgive my father, I forgive myself, those kinds of statements. And he quit cold turkey the next day because he didn't need that coping mechanism to deal. He had dealt with the anger that was causing it. So, and I want to just say that it doesn't always happen the next day. You know, you don't always see the impact the next day. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's a uh, day. Sometimes it's a couple weeks later. But there's always some level of impact that occurs. Final few questions. Um, we touched on earlier when we were talking around the triple lock or the quadruple lock. Um, how do you think companies are evolving in terms of business, wellness, and also spirituality? Mm -hmm. Well, so again, there's a beautiful evolution occurring there. Some companies haven't caught up with it. So the idea is that instead of denying that we are a whole person that has a perception of spirituality, let's embrace that. And again, the, the awakened companies understand that and they're inviting people to have um, not just meditation and, and sessions, but also um, uh, like spiritual conversations and, and meetings around that. So where we come from is rather than denying that we are an emotional, physical, uh, spiritual being, right? So we have a mind, body, and spirit, and that's well known. Let's not deny that. That's true in business also. So in PERC, we honor all three of those, body, mind, and spirit, and bring them together. And again, becoming um, congruent with all three so that 
when you have this alignment, the person is able to move in the direction with ease and flow rather than resistance. As an organization, that's what everybody should want. Mm -hmm. They should want their employees to be the best they can be in whatever way they define that. So rather than, you know, separating spirituality and saying, well, we can't talk about that, invite the whole person to be there. And then the, the company actually benefits because the whole person is engaged, is able to move forward. You know, when you, when you honor the individual, they're going to give a whole lot more than if they're disrespected in some way. And companies want engagement. You know, I mean, we could go down that path and talk about the, the percentages of people that are engaged and that reports that are out there is very minimal. Mm. And I think part of it is because a lot of the organizations still aren't honoring people as a whole individual. Um, so you get better engagement, you get uh, creativity and innovation. So a problem occurs if, if I have an approach of a holistic approach to that, I might solve the problem in a much more efficient and evolutionary way. But if I'm being shut down and I can't bring my whole self to work, then I'm not going to be able to tap into creativity. And where does creativity come from? Innovation and creativity, if you look at the history of some of the um, most amazing things that have been invented, and you ask those individuals that invented it, they won't tell you they discovered it writing down. They were sitting in a meditative state or they were sitting in a quiet state and got this idea. Well, where'd the idea come from, right? It's a connection to superconscious, to a higher level of thought pattern, however you want to term that. A lot of people would reference that in as spirituality. So it's, again, it's important for companies. They want certain behaviors and they want certain ways that employees would think, but they need to honor all parts of that in order to get that. So it's really, you know, let's come together and, and have a whole person approach which gives us a whole another way of being successful as an organization. You know, and I just would say that one of the terms that we use quite often is success. Mm. And I think it's time to redefine what success means. So, you know, to, does success mean to an organization, um, you know, increasing bottom line every year, um, profit to the, you know, stock market, um, does it mean uh, bonuses that we get every year, et cetera? Is that the external measurements? Is that how we only define success? Mm. I hope not. I hope it's time that we start to shift that to, you know what our success is that our employees are happy and they have financial stability and they're able to go home at night and enjoy their family. They have health and wellness. They um, are engaged and creating solutions to problems that we didn't even know the problem we had, let alone the possible solution. So I think it's time for organizations to really step in and redefine what success means. Do you think there's a conscious awakening happening at the moment? And if so, Absolutely. What, what do you think is driving it? I totally think there's a conscious awakening. I think it's phenomenal. You know, we've been doing this work since 1988. And to see the changes that have been going on in the last, I would say, 10 or 15 years, but really accelerating in the last mm. few years, is just phenomenal. And, you know, again, why it's happening, I don't have a definitive answer to that. But I think that there's this shift in 
not just the the employees coming in, like the new people coming in, the millennials and the Gen Xers who are changing the way people think, but also the boomers, you know, on the other end of the scale, which a lot of times are the executives at this point, the boomers are tired. <laughs> you know, they're tired of doing it the same way and, and hitting their head against the wall and not getting results. And so they're like, there's got to be a different way. So going back to what we talked about in the previous conversation is everybody seems to be, the ones that are awakening, seem to be ready to do it differently. And that's really what PERP brings, is it's not the same thing. It's a way of doing things differently. It's a way of approaching things and getting lasting results as we do that. What do you think subconscious reprogramming 2.0 looks like? So what do you think the next steps are in terms of the evolution of reprogramming and working with the subconscious? Yeah. So one, I love the question because it means there's a step two. It's, you know, <laughs> again, we've been doing this for so long. And it's like, okay, people, come on. Let's all get on the bandwagon. And it's like, wait, you're saying there's, an, there's the next step. I love that we actually made it to the platform, that there's another step up. Um, the idea, I think the next step, multiple, multiple thoughts, is one, is how do we get everybody on board so that we have, have this integrated into the daily activities, just like we brush our teeth? How do we allow people to integrate a behavior, or not just behavior, but integrate a methodology of shifting their behaviors, if they see something, how do they, how are they able on their own to shift that, which again is what we allow people to learn and to, to get when they take PERC, is let this become part of their daily activity. So instead of, oh, you're acting out and pointing fingers and shaming somebody or sending them to HR, what if we say, you know what, that seems to be a struggle for you. Mm-hmm. Let's go shift that. Or would you like to go you know, have a little moment and do a balance around that. So um, the idea for me would be the next level would be to integrate it into daily activities. The other thought around that is one of the beautiful things that's been uplifting uh, over the last couple of years is the recognition that as far as our planet, uh, it's time to to think of her differently, to think mm. of Gaia or planet Earth as different. And there's several, I read a lot, as you guys probably do, and listen to podcasts and read articles and stuff and listen to presentations. So there's a lot of um, conversation, at least that I see coming across, talking about um, honoring nature and bringing the principles of nature into business. And we started working with that in the workshops in 2012 in that we have an area that we work with called the principles of nature. And it's an invitation to align with these 11 principles that Rob elicited from uh, his brilliance that he has of what if we looked at nature and said, she's been around for millions and billions of years and has been pretty successful until Mm. humans got involved. And then we tend to do things that... Um, doesn't allow her to continue her evolution or, or adaptation. And so some, you know, what's fascinating is we talk about leadership and there's, you can look at books and there's the resilient leader, there's the adaptable leader, there's diversity that we want, there's, you know, you name it, collaboration. All of those are principles of nature. And so we, 
we would invite people to start to look at how can an organization, along with triple bottom, quadruple bottom line, whatever term you want to use, honor the principles of nature within their organization. So that at an individual level, when I step up to work with you, I work with you in a collaborative way rather than in competition. There's a traditional viewpoint of competition that that's what we need. Dog eat dog, win-win. If you, if you win, I lose, which is mm. not true. And it's never been true in nature. It was misunderstood. Darwinian theory was misunderstood or misstated. And then he corrected it later. But it was already out there and hard to pull it back. And so the idea is that rather, the original definition of competition was to help each other be better. Not you win, I lose, but how can we find, if I was a competitive swimmer, so when we were competing, there was two levels of competition. One was against myself to best my own time. And the other was, if you swam faster than me, that helped me go even faster. So that you may have won, but I got a best time also. So that's the idea of collaboration instead of competition is let's work with each other, support each other to be the best we can be. Well, though, and I could go on about this, but those, that's an example of the principles of nature, which in my viewpoint, in our viewpoint, uh, under the perk arena, that's really what I would say is the next level of integrating what could make the biggest difference on the planet is to integrate the principles of nature within our own lives and, and within, again, the corporation how it makes decisions. It's beautiful. Good. Love it. Is there anything that you'd like to plug, Robin? Ah, I would love to invite people to explore this work. Um, they can look at a couple websites. Perk.com, P-E-R-K.com is the main website. Um, and you can see a variety of workshops that are being presented. And then, I also have, I teach, and right now I've got a couple workshops scheduled in 2020, so they're welcome to look for those. I've got some information, some resources on my website, which is inner, I-N-N-E-R, active, A-C-T-I-V-E, mindset.com, and there's, you know, a variety of, of text education and resources um, such as videos of presentations that I've done as well as um, some articles. So I would invite people to explore this a little bit further. They're welcome to give me a call or email me. Love to talk to people and see how this could fit, whether it's within a private session or looking at what would be a benefit to the organization and how to frame out uh, a project for them to integrate this into their team or into their organization. And what are your top three tips for our audience and for executives in terms of how they can upgrade their personal and professional performance? First, I would say become observant. So observe yourself and how the words that you use or the behaviors that you have are impacting others. So instead of just being like a train or a truck barreling through, take a moment, say what you want to say, and then be observant of what the response is. And once you become observant, you can become aware of, you know what, that didn't land very well. What can I do about that? So then take action. Um, and it might be pulling a person to the side and saying, you know what, 
what do you, in your viewpoint, could I have done better in that situation? So really asking where, you know, not just where are my strengths. People will typically, it's good to hear strengths. Absolutely. And we need, and sometimes we don't know our own strengths. So it is nice to ask that question, but both at home and at work, ask people, you know, what do you see my strengths are? Where do you see that I might fall down or where might I improve? Mm. And then the third one would be to take action and to ask for help. So many times an executive specifically might get to a particular level and they're like, they don't have anybody to talk to. Mm. They have to hold a presence that everything is fine. And yet they're, they know they would like to change. So Mm. you can't do it on your own. So reach out, you know, you guys have great offerings to support people. Um, We can help. The idea would be to reach out to somebody and get some help to shift the awareness that you now have into new beliefs so that you can have new behaviors in an easy and effective way. And of course, I would, my preference would be PERC or um, as you have experienced, like, hey, then, you know, it's so phenomenally simple and effective. It's not months and months of work. It, you know, a session or two can solve a lot of problems. So that's, I would invite that. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for doing your work. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank Robin for her time and insights. Do check out Robin on her social channels. A friendly reminder, visit www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe. We will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. You can also follow us on our social channels at connect with UE and visit our website, www.upgradedexecutive.com. Thank you.